As I said, we've been in a series, and I think we're now number 11, so we're not too far off the end now uh, in the lead up to Pentecost on uh, how faith can ripple out from our lives into the lives of others and the gospel can really make an impact. And uh, Georgina is going to read to us this morning from a really uh, important passage in Romans chapter 10. I'm reading from Romans uh, chapter 10, verses 9 to 15 from the NIV version. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from dead, from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, Anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one that they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, as we reflect on these words this morning, your written word. Uh, inspired by the Holy Spirit, we uh, we thank you that we have so easy access to this. We thank you we can sit here in this space and reflect and meditate on your word and allow you to speak to us, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would open our, our hearts this morning that we and that we would open the door of our heart to you this morning uh, to receive uh, whatever it is that you want for us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Uh, Oops, was I, did I turn off, did I? My bad. A <laughs> little bit of a recap on um, the last four weeks, which has been a, almost a bit of a mini-series within um, the Ripple Effect series on the themes of the gospel, uh, God's story from Genesis to Revelation um, unpacks the story that God has written into human history, and uh, that is, in essence, creation, fall, redemption, and recreation. He created us out of an overflow of love. Uh, he, uh, we, we then fell out of relationship with him as we walked away, as we, as we sinned, um, and he, but he redeemed us uh, through the cross and the resurrection of Jesus, uh, brought us back into relationship with him. And he's recreating everything. He's recreating the world um, so that we will live, be able to live with him unhindered relationship for all eternity. Um, and this story that God has written into humanity is, um, is powerful. Um, the gospel is powerful. It has the power to change, to heal, to redeem, and to transform. Um, flowing out of God's story is then our story. And um, I know there's some issues with the screens today, but hopefully not too bad. Um, is our story where we, we have an identity because of 
God's creating us out of an overflow of love and we can claim this identity as children, beloved children, not because of anything we've done, but just because he created us. And that we're broken because we walked away from him and that we have security because he redeemed us and hope because he's making all things new. How we communicate this, however, after all this is a series on evangelism and sharing our faith, how we communicate the gospel is entirely dependent on a couple of things. How well we communicate our faith, share our faith, is dependent on the story, the life of the person we're sharing with, and the story of the person doing the sharing. Let me explain and unpack what I mean by that. Um, The gospel can be communicated in many different ways, with different language and to different cultures. Um, One example is uh, this video um, that some of you may watch while doing the ripple effect studies in in your small group. So let's have a watch of just the first bit of this. In the beginning was God. He's like an honorable elder with a grand yurt. He's like the great uncle we all wish for, powerful, respected, and always faithful. One day God created the mighty mountains, the warm sun, and fresh waters to showcase his glory. Then God made Adam and Eve, crowning them with great honor and glory. He said, have my authority, rule over my creation, bear my glory. They were God's children living in God's honorable village. Even with no clothes, Adam and Eve felt no shame. Then Satan appeared and said, Get more glory, eat the fruit, and be equal to God. But the second they tasted the fruit, their honor vanished. They felt shame. God found them hiding. You have been disloyal children, shaming yourselves and dishonoring me. What do we humans do with disgraceful things like... So that presentation goes on. I don't want to show the whole thing. It's about six minutes. Uh, it goes on to talk about how humans created their own honour in different ways, but it never lasted. So the whole theme is honour and shame, honour and shame. Um, eventually, Jesus left the place of honour to enter our shame, inviting others to leave their shame and return with him to the place of honour. Um, and have a new hat and a new robe and a new identity. And some chose to follow Jesus in that. Others preferred their own false honour, and others thought their shame was too great to be able to be worthy of that honour, and others are too worried about their friends and family will think, so they didn't leave the shame to go back to that honour. And so that language and way of unpacking the gospel, which is the same good news as I've been talking about, over a number of weeks now, that different language used is, it's different to the language of, say, sin, uh, separation, being a penalty because we're not righteous to be able to be in God's presence. Jesus coming back and, sorry, Jesus coming and paying the price for our sin, being our substitute. Right, that we can return to God because we've been made right. This is language that I've just used there that's maybe more common in Western Christianity, that it's more common since the Reformation 500-odd years ago. But it's just different language to what we've just seen there about honour and shame. And here's the point of that. Different people in different cultures with different experience using different language 
are going to respond to different presentations of the same good news depending on what connects with their story, their culture, their understanding of life, the the, the lens through which they see existence and life. And some of the language used in typical uh, Western churches, uh, like since the Reformation, for example, it just doesn't connect with some cultures. In an honour-shame culture, on the other hand, more common in Eastern religions, Eastern cultures, this kind of language we just saw, it absolutely hits the mark. This kind of presentation, is, is a, it, it, it's more uh, relevant to those who are in an honour-shame culture. And if you were trained, if you were being trained as a missionary to uh, um, another, another people group, uh, a missionary to another country, you would learn this. This is the training you would do. You would understand, you would learn to understand the culture so you can speak the gospel into that culture in a way that makes sense. Is that, is that fair enough? Does that make sense? Sadly, most Aussie Christians have somehow gotten the message that all of this learning is irrelevant to us because we, we believe that, well, we're not missionaries speaking the gospel to people in a foreign culture. And that's actually not true at all. That's just a flat-out lie. We are missionaries called to speak the good news to people who live and think and talk and believe differently to us. But, but those differences are just much more subtle, right? I'm different to Nathaniel, and Nathaniel's different to Francis, and Francis is different to Yoy, and Yoy's different to Ethan. We're all different, and we think differently. We've had a different life experience, and that's part of God's beauty in creation. But we're, we are different. we're different, but just in more subtle ways and nuanced ways. Different to uh, sort of, it's, it's not the same as an Aussie going to the middle of the African desert and, and having to learn the cultural divide and therefore how to speak the gospel into that people group. But the challenge is this, how do I then effectively communicate the good news, the good news message to my friend, colleague, neighbour, brother, sister, cousin, boss, barista, dentist, hairdresser, whoever it may be, in a way that you bridge the gap in however they see life differently to me, however they see life differently to you. And one of the mo- and, and we could spend a whole kind of you know lecture series on, on that particular thing. And Tim Keller, for example, has some brilliant stuff on how to do that and how to learn to bridge that cultural gap. But one of the most powerful tools that we have to help us communicate the gospel to another person really effectively and really well. One of the most powerful tools we have is free, easy to use, effective, powerful, genuine, easy to remember, doesn't require a theological degree or any training. It's already in your hands. And that tool is your story. Lots of other tools as well and lots of other ways to bridge the cultural divide, but the tool that we all have and we all can use is our story. Think about this. Every single follower of Jesus has a story about how they became a Christian and why they stay a Christian, both of which are important. 
Uh, it will always be a story about how God in Christ transforms our identity, heals our brokenness, gives us security in him and a hope for the future. That's always what our story is, flowing out of what God has done. But it will always be a unique story. My story is different to your story. Your story is different to the next person's story. Because people are different. Our experiences are different. How Jesus meets us in the particulars of our life is different. No two stories are the same. And yet, and if you hear nothing else this morning, this is what I want you to take away, for us to take away. The gap between your story and the life, the, the, the beliefs, the cultural understandings of your friend. The gap between your story and their story. That gap gets smaller when you're sharing a message that's a real-life experience, not just a gospel presentation from a YouTube video. When you're sharing this, that is in a way that it's actually you, real to you, what's happened for you. Let me say that another way. If you share the good news with someone that you have a friendship with by explaining how the good news has played out in your life, then whatever hang-ups they have about creation, identity, fall, sin, brokenness, Jesus' death and resurrection, hell, heaven, future eternity, all of this stuff, it begins to melt away because if they can see it playing out in your life, it's entirely possible they could see it playing out in their life. As opposed to creation, fall, um, I've forgotten it already, <laughs> creation, fall, redemption uh, and recreation. And sort of unpacking it from a, a, like a totally disconnected level. Your story is powerful. Our stories have many chapters as well, which, which is important. It's, it, this is significant for another reason. Our stories have many chapters because you know, our relationship with God is multifaceted. It's dynamic. It's happened over a, a period of time. And so when we share that with others, here's what that means. There's many things to share. I don't just have to share, well, this is the gospel and how it's played out in my life as like a broad brushstroke, like this is what... It, you, can, you can go to different parts of your life. At this point in my life, here's how the gospel transformed me and changed me. At this point in my life, here's how I'm, I'm still being changed. And at this point in my life, even up to maybe the last week, there are many chapters in our life that we can share from. Sometimes we share... One chapter of our story, other times we share from another chapter of our story. Some chapters are still to be written because we're a work in progress. And the good thing about that is we can be honest about what God is still doing in writing our story and not pretend I've got it all together because I know the gospel, but actually I'm still, I'm still discovering the beauty of this message and of the God behind it. And so that all leaves a very important question. Do you know your story? And have you revisited it recently? Can you share easily the different chapters from your story? These things of identity and healing from brokenness and security and hope. And to be really clear, that's what I'm talking about. This is what I'm talking about, what's on the screen behind me. Our identity uh, in who God has made us to be, the brokenness that he's beginning to heal now, security in him, hope in Jesus, and how those have played out in your life. 
We all have this story, but what it looks like is different from one to another. Can you share that? Can you share what it's looked like for you? Uh, For those who came to our first Ripple Effect workshop, James, uh, who did that workshop, taught us um, how to share our 15-second testimony. Anybody feel like they can do that now? Yeah, one one or two. All right. that's like a bird's eye view of your story. If, you do, if you're not familiar with that, 15-second testimony, something along the lines of, uh, um, there was a time in my life when I was dot, dot, dot. Um, then I met Jesus or I came across or something. Then this happened with Jesus. And now I am dot, dot, dot. And do you have a story like that? I'm, I'm mucking it up. There was one other thing in there. But it's essentially a very quick sweep of, I was once this way, and then I met Jesus, and now I'm this way, and this is, this is how I've been changed. But no one ever fell on their knees and committed their life to Jesus because they heard your 15-second testimony. Oh, wow, that's amazing. How do I know Jesus? Right? It, maybe it has happened before, but very rarely would that happen because that's not the point. That short, sharp Kind of, I was I was once this way, and Jesus changed me, and now I'm this way. Is just to open up a conversation, but from there, can you then go to the many experiences in your life that point to the gospel, that point to how your identity has changed because of Jesus, how your brokenness has been healed, and your security is in Him, and your hope is in? Can you point to those different chapters? For example, let's let's go with the identity one. What so shaped your identity earlier in your life and meant that knowing God as creator and father has given you a new identity that leaves you not with how you once felt but love and peace and and not the insufficiency and angst that you had before? Uh, Do you know that? Can you share that, how your identity has changed because of who you've learnt God to be? It doesn't matter if your story in that regard is a total, radical transformation where you were like, every minute of every day in my existence right now, I know that I know that I know I'm a beloved child of God and I haven't even given a thought in the last 50 years to any other kind of identity. Maybe that's your story, but maybe you're more like this. I battle deeply every day with the pain and anxiety that results from when someone in my childhood told me you're no good, but slowly I'm learning not to cling to that identity, but to the identity God has spoken over me. And it's a struggle, and I don't always get it right, but if I didn't have this, I don't know where I'd be. Maybe you're like, my identity is secure and I know it and it's great. Maybe it's like, I still struggle, but there is this truth I have to cling to with my life. Whatever your story is, it's yours. It's reality and it's powerful when shared with someone. You can share, I learned that God created me and loves me and calls me child. And it's helped me, although I struggle. That will always be better than, in the beginning, God created humanity. So God's story is creation. And my pastor said that that means our story is identity. Would you like to become a Christian now? It's not going to (laughs) work. It's not going to work. What about brokenness? Are you willing to share with someone... um, 
here's the brokenness I had in my life. The sin, the rebellion, the imperfections, the, 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 the struggles. And, and here's how it's shifted. Now, this one's a challenge because there's always that lie being whispered in our ear, right? Saying, yeah, but Luke, you're still a mess. You're still sinful. If you tell them you've changed, like your brokenness has been healed because of Jesus, and they really find out that nothing much has changed, what's going to happen then? You'll be a hypocrite, and you know how they don't like hypocrites. right? That's the, that's the lie that's being whispered. Friends, the worst lies are always uh, mostly true. It's mostly true that you're not much different from before you knew Jesus. You're still a mess. You're still broken. That's mostly true. But you are not the same as you once were if Jesus has redeemed you and filled you with his spirit. Do you know, can you share where your brokenness has been healed, where rebellion has become devotion, where sin has been forgiven and left behind because of his love? Sharing that, pointing to that, and pointing to Jesus' part in that is powerful. And don't get me wrong, this stuff is important. That's why we spent four weeks on unpacking what really is the gospel. But just kind of, well, here's, the, here's God's story and here's my story. and you know, Our story is powerful to be able to help bridge that gap between you and another person. So we spent these last four weeks unpacking this. And we point people to God, but in our story. That's the whole point. Um, I look at this, I mean, just to share a bit of, well, how, how would I do this? What, what, what would you do, Luke? I look at this and go, like, okay, take the first one. Take identity. For most of my life, I've wanted people to like me because some experiences in school where some kids said some things, uh, internally that meant I resolved to just go, I have to be liked. That was my idea. I have to be liked. If I can be liked, I'll be, I'll, I will be good enough. Right? That'll be my identity. And while I still struggle with that today, discovering that God doesn't just love me but likes me, and it's not based on what I do for him and whether I please him in certain things that I achieve, that it, but it's based on the fact that he created me, that he's my dad and I'm his kid, that identity and knowing I can cling to that is so transformative and it's still a struggle and I still want people to like me but I know now that that won't destroy me because I have this identity I'm meant for. What about brokenness? Well, in hindsight, because of my desire to be liked by people so much, I did stuff and have done stuff that made me feel good for a while but just made me more insecure and disconnected from people and that was my experience of brokenness. And so I felt more and more broken and lonely. And, but to know that I'm forgiven of that stuff and to know that I can look back now and see that I'm not as broken as I once was and I, and I don't go to those destructive behaviours like I used to, it brings so much freedom in knowing where Jesus has brought me, even though I've got a long way to go. So you know, I could go on with the other themes and go, well, what about security in my life? How does that play out? You know, this was my experience. This is my stuff. Because of what God's done, I'm changed. I'm different. I'm to share from my experience. 
It's, it can be powerful. Something else to think about in terms of what you might share, how you would share the, the chapters, is that there's a few different kinds of chapters, if you like, um, in your story. Some of them are um, a very distinct, maybe you might say radical, kind of chapter of when God came into your life and changed you. Basically, uh, I had this experience when this happened, right? A distinct experience of the presence of God or of a revelation of his love or or something that just clicked and you're, oh my goodness, this is transformative. Um, Maybe not quite a Paul on the Damascus Road experience. You went blind and scales fell from your eyes three days later and like, you know, maybe not that extravagant, but basically a short period of time where you could say about that experience, I was one way before and another way after, and the thing that happened in between was him. Any chosen fans in the house? Oh, okay, oh, yeah, doesn't matter. Um, that's an awesome line from the chosen. Right, I was one way before and I'm another way now, and the thing that happened in between was him. Right? Maybe you've got a, a chapter of your life where that was what your story is. Um, But we can also point to um, more long-term things God has done in our life. I, for example, can point to how I used to have a big problem with anger and frustration, and now I have a little bit less of a problem with anger and frustration. And it's probably that that change that has happened helped, if not saved, my marriage, impacted my relationship with my kids really positively. And yes, I was one way before and I'm another way now. And the thing that happened in between was Jesus, but not in a bam, Holy Spirit, Pentecost fire kind of way. Like it happened and now I'm completely changed. More of like a Jesus has patiently walked me by the hand through this kind of way over many years. And that too is part of our story, not just the big experiences, but the long story, uh, you know, gradual Jesus having patience with us kind of way. So what are the chapters of your story? Do you, do you know them? Um, have you revisited them recently? And if some chapters have only just been written you know, have you reflected on those ones yet? Maybe it's just in the last week or the last month and you need to kind of go back and go, well, okay, this, this has happened. This is the, the experience of the gospel in my life. How now would I share that? How could I share that and point to Jesus' goodness in it? So the passage we read from today, um, Romans chapter 10, uh, is where Paul unpacks this very, very important uh, progression for how, about how when, if somebody is to call on Jesus for salvation, um, for that to happen, for them to call on Jesus and be saved, they need to believe. And for them to believe, they would need to hear somebody share it. And for them to hear somebody share the good news, somebody would need to speak it, preach it. Um, not talking about preaching from the pulpit on a Sunday morning, I'm talking about speaking the gospel. And for someone to speak it, that person would need to be sent to deliver that good news. And he finishes with this line, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. The point here that that Paul is unpacking is that we connect our willingness to deliver 
this good news, the sent calling, that we connect that with someone's salvation and see that if we are willing to be sent with this good news and declare it, that it can end up in an impact for eternity in someone's life. Why does Paul need to actually unpack that? I think it's because naturally we connect talking about our faith with at best no results and at worst rejection and failure. Hey, Francis, what did you do on the weekend? Oh, I went to church and it really encouraged me and I felt a real peace about some stuff I've been stressed about. Now, maybe for you, Francis, that took all the courage you could possibly muster in all of the world and to say that to your friend. And their response is, cool, cool, cool. How about this weather? <laughs> no result. Or, or maybe the response is, oh, yeah, whatever. Just make sure your priest doesn't insert expletives here. I mean, that might be the response, right? And it feels like rejection and failure. At best, the response can be nothing and worse, well, don't push your faith on me, Christian, or whatever the response might be. And Paul's making a really, really important point. That might be the way it feels. And I think this is particularly significant for Western Aussies, who's, uh, we're very, very, very risk averse, right? Paul's making a really important point. Your willingness to be sent to take good news, to be open about God's work in your life, to share your story. It can lead to someone calling on Jesus, falling to their knees and crying out, Jesus, save me. And when they say that, when they call on Jesus, he will always welcome them into his heart. He will always say, yes, welcome to the kingdom of heaven when they call on him. If we can make that connection, that it's a beautiful privilege, a beautiful privilege. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news? If we can make that connection, that it's a beautiful privilege and that when we are sent, when we speak these words, when we're willing to share, it can indeed have an impact for eternity and that's the, way, the only way it will work. Maybe we'll go, well, I'm willing to take a risk. But I wonder if Paul's also saying something very important to us this morning. You already possess more beauty in your life than you can possibly imagine. You've got to recognise that if you're someone who is able to carry the gospel to someone else, a message that's powerful, that's the best news in the world and can transform lives and communities and civilizations, and restore families and heal and renew and all this, if you're carrying that that means you've got the beauty it produces. You're not just a deliverer of a message. You are the message. Your life has been transformed by Jesus, so you are a walking, talking gospel presentation. And I am a walking, talking gospel presentation because the gospel has changed me. If only we would know and be willing to share our story, we would be gospel presentations, living and active Oh, but Luke, my story's not that impressive. Nothing's really happened. You've been pulled from hell into the kingdom of light, being given a new heart and mind, and live, will live in eternity with God, a God of pure and extravagant love for all of eternity. 
That is your story. All we've got to do, it's beautiful. Your story is amazing. All we've got to do is know and learn how to share that and be willing to do that. So we're going to have an opportunity just to do that in a, in a small way um, in a little while. But before we, uh, we sing this morning and, and, and just respond in, in worship in song, um, I mentioned earlier that there are chapters in our story that take place over long periods of time as Jesus patiently walks with us. I know for some of you that's, that, that's most of the chapters of your story. It's slow, patient, um, Jesus walking with you, you're slowly changing, being transformed by his love. But there are other chapters, other moments in our story that happen in an hour or a minute or even a moment. And I absolutely believe that God is a God who will speak, who will touch, who will do a miracle, who will bring about a moment of transformation or healing or wholeness, even in a moment. And usually that happens when we respond to the knock on the door of our hearts that he's offering. Jesus says in Revelation 3.20, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. For me, that's an invitation to let Jesus into your story, even in a moment, and write the next chapter. And for some of us, that is accepting an invitation for him to come into a certain area of our life. Right? You already know him, you're saved, you're redeemed, you're a child of God, but there's a door to a part of your life that's closed off. A chapter of your story that's not yet written in terms of a way he can change you, redeem you, heal you, restore your brokenness. right? And it's not yet good news you can share because that bit is shut off to Jesus. And so can I encourage you to let him in today, whether it's unforgiveness uh, whether it's bitterness, whether it's whatever it is, to let him into that area of your life. He's not going to break the door down. He doesn't do that. And he's not going to barge in if you do open the door and go, oh, my goodness, if I only knew how bad it was in here, I'd never have knocked. <laughs> That's not Jesus, right? That's not what he's going to say or do. He wants to come in and keep making your story a story of healing and security and hope and love. For others, as we sing this morning and as we pray in a little while, uh, maybe you quite simply don't have a story that involves Jesus yet, not one where you've let him in. Um, You're not yet a walking, talking gospel because you've not yet believed this message. You've heard it but you've not yet believed. The invitation this morning to you, if that's you, whether you're watching online or in the room, is the same invitation. Let him in. There's nothing complicated about that. It's just saying, Jesus, I'll let you in. That's it. So, Father, as we worship you this morning, Jesus, as we recognise who you are and how good you are, pray, Lord God, that we would open the doors of our hearts to let you in into whatever area of our life that might be, whether it be our whole life or just a part of it that's been closed off. Lord, that you would continue to write our story, a new chapter of our story this morning in Jesus' name.